Whoa, that feels like a Marvel comic entrance right there. Like, I'm Tim and my superpower is preaching, so you're welcome. <laughs> that sounded really prideful. I apologize. I don't know how else to do that. Uh, good morning and <laughs> welcome to Crossroads to be determined. Some of you are like, no, Tim, your super how- superpower is not preaching. Like, I get it. I understand. If I keep it shorter, can it be my superpower? Like, well, maybe. Um, today we're starting this new series called Heroes. And I got to be honest with you, this is one that is intriguing and exciting to me because for the next few weeks, we're taking a look at different heroes in the Old Testament and we're identifying characteristics about each of them that separate them from everyone else who is around them. Like, what is it that made these heroes amazing? Like, what is it that separated them in such a way that we look at them and when we read the Bible and go, oh, these are heroes of the faith. These people made a difference in their generation. And I think it's, it's good for us to just step back and realize that the heroes that we look at in the Bible were normal people just like you and me. I, they were normal people who were able to do extraordinary things because God used them. They put themselves in a position to be used by God. And I want you to know today that, that you can be a hero, all right? Everybody, in fact, is a hero to somebody. Think about that. Everybody is a hero to somebody. Like, who in your life, you know, looks up to you? Who do you have influence over? And I think we have to ask ourselves that question, what kind of a hero am I going to be? How am I going to influence others? But at the end of the day, everybody is a hero to somebody, and that's powerful. So take this as far as you want to. You'll know based on who you're sitting by. But in just one second, you have the freedom no matter where you are today. And let's welcome everybody in Mishawaka and St. Pete and Nashville, everybody online who's joined us today. (laughs) Take this as far as you want to, but in a minute, you can look at the person next to you and say, I could be your hero. And if it applies, say, baby, I could be your hero, baby. (laughs) Go for it. See what what happens there. There's way, way too much awkward chuckling right now. (laughs) I apologize for that, but I have made the promise before. Like if you bring that significant other to to Crossroads with you that you're hoping could turn into a better relationship, I give you opportunities. I give you opportunities to take that next step. And that was one of them. That was one of them. I hope you took advantage of that. Baby. Baby. You could have gone there. You could have gone there. You could have been a hero right there in that moment. Everybody is a hero to somebody. Can we just lean into that for a moment? We can chuckle about that and laugh and have some fun. But at at the end of the day, you are a hero to somebody. There's someone in your life that looks up to you. And um, I love what John Maxwell says about that. When you have someone who looks up to you, what you say, what you do, it has a huge influence on that person. It matters significantly more than when other people say or do the same things. You have the opportunity to influence people all around you. And I think what we have to do as we walk through this journey of life together is we have to figure out in our minds, identify, what kind of a hero do I want to be? What, what do I want my life uh, to influence others towards? Like, what is my life going to be about? And how am I going to bring others along on that journey? What kind of a hero am I going to be? And I want to lean into that throughout this series because I think there's some really practical steps that we can take together 
that helps us become the people God created us to be, but also helps us to lean into the impact and the influence that each of us has in the lives of the people around us and identify the traits that can help us be the heroes that God has called us to be. You can be a hero. You are a hero. Let's be the hero that God created us to be. So number one, the the trait that we're going to look at today uh, in our first hero is is simply this. Heroes find favor with God. Now we're going to look at this this story of Noah, and I apologize for having to show that video of Dustin earlier on in the service. My deepest and sincerest apologies. Uh, That is a wildly funny video, if if you think that that kind of humor is funny. If you don't find that funny, it's like the biggest waste of four minutes of your life. You'll you'll never get that back. I understand that. I find it to be wildly funny. I understand not everybody does, but we had a good time with that. That's a classic. That's almost five years old, and it still lives on in infamy today. You know it's, it's a winner when we're showing that thing almost five years later. But when you take a look at the life of Noah... Noah is one of these original heroes in the Bible. When you're reading through the the Bible, you start in Genesis, and that's what we've been doing in our 365 challenge, and I want to encourage you, if you're hearing about the 365, read through the Bible in your challenge that we're all on together, you're hearing about that for the first time, grab your bookmark on the the way out and join us. It doesn't matter about hitting every day, checking off every, every box. The point is we want to help expose you to God's word and take the time every day to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And as we've been journeying through the Bible in January, we read through the book of Genesis. And one of the stories we read early on was this story of Noah. And he's one of those guys who there really isn't anything amazing about him except that he finds favor with God. Noah makes the choice to do what is right. And that makes his influence absolutely incredible because when no one else was doing right, It says Noah did what was right. He still found favor with God, and he became a hero. He became a savior of of humanity because he was willing to live his life in such a way that it found favor with God. And I don't want us to underestimate or undervalue the significance of that. Because when we make the commitment in our lives that, hey, I want my life to be lived in such a way that when God sees what I'm doing, it brings a smile to his face. I want my life to bring joy to my creator. I want my life to find favor with God. When we make that the cry of our heart, when we make that the desire of who we want to be, I don't think we can underestimate or undervalue the significance of that. That allows you to have a greater influence to point people who look up to you, who you are their hero, it helps you to point them toward Jesus and become like him as well. That's how we pass down our faith. That's how we help others become the people who God created them to be. That's what a hero really is at the end of the day. And I want to encourage you to think about this in in the light of your life. Heroes find favor with God. Can we just think about this question as we unpack this today? Is my life being lived in such a way that I am finding favor with God, that that God smiles when he sees me? Is the cry of my heart beating in, in such a way that my life brings joy to God? So let's think about that as we unpack the story of Noah. And uh, this, is, this is awesome. In, in Genesis chapter 6, uh, we see that this story begins, and it doesn't start off great, okay? This is the world that Noah lives in. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. 
And can we just stop there for a second? I think uh, a lot of times when people read the Old Testament or, or think about God in the Old Testament, they think about this angry God who's just kind of up in heaven with a big hammer, just like with a smite button, smite, smite, boom, angry God who smites things. And I think we have to back up and understand we were created for relationship with God. I and mean, we've been talking about this for the, for the last month here at Crossroads, the big picture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made man and woman in his image, and we were created for fellowship with him. And when he created all of creation, he stepped back and he saw that this was good. In fact, he said it was very good when he, when he looked at us. We were his prized possession. We were created for relationship and fellowship with God. And when sin entered to the world and that fellowship was broken, Man, God still had a plan for that. He always had the plan. Jesus was going to come and redeem us, to forgive us, to set us free, to restore what had been broken. And that's the hope that we have to look forward to, this hope of eternity, where everything is made right, creation is made new, all of the fallout of sin is, is healed and restored. We don't have to deal with this anymore. But in the meantime, we have to deal with the fallout of sin. And what you see is that, man, in, in a short, short time frame, Every person on planet Earth just decided to go their own way. Every single person on planet Earth chose to serve themselves instead of serving God. And it didn't make God angry. He didn't just start smiting. No, it, it broke his heart. Because he loves us with an extravagant love, he just longs to have fellowship and relationship with us. I think it's important for us to circle that attribute of God. Man, he loves you with an extravagant love. And so what he realizes is this, this isn't turning out the way that I had hoped. I gave them free will. They could choose and none of them are choosing me. It's breaking his heart. I mean, you ever been that guy who went out there? I remember middle school many times. So, hey, I think that girl's attractive. I go up to her at the locker. Hey, you want to go out? And in middle school, I still don't even know what that means. Anybody know what that means? Do you want to go out? I'm going to go steady? What does that mean? And I don't even know what that means. I was seventh grade. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that if she said yes, she was my girlfriend. It was going to be awesome. <laughs> but they never said yes. They always said no. It broke my heart. Broke my heart. That's not that funny. <laughs> not that funny. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Actually, it is kind of funny. It's okay. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. I mean, we talked over the last month about the big picture, the story of God and us, and how incredible the love is that God has for us, where he has this plan of redemption. He has this plan in place to restore all of creation to that original state where everything is good. There's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. There's no pain. There's no more death. That relationship with God that's just broken right now in constant tension, it's healed. It's forever. It, it, it's renewed. It's restored. It's perfect. That's his plan. And yet, man, that story could have been a lot shorter. It kind of all ended in Genesis 6, verse 7. I'm sorry I ever made them. And boom, smite. You know, it's over. But that's... That's the power of the heart that finds favor with God. You cannot underestimate or undervalue the significance of, of the person that makes it their goal to find favor with God. Because in light of everything that is happening, verse 8 stands out and is very significant. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Whew, that changes everything. Whew, sigh of relief. We're all here because Noah found favor with the Lord. 
I think that what we have to unpack here today is that the purpose of this story in Genesis 6 is not about why God sent a flood. The purpose of this story really at the end of the day is to find out why did God save Noah? Because if we can wrap our minds around this idea of of living a life that finds favor with God, if that can be the cry of my heart, know this, that's, that's the heart, that's the life that truly impresses God. You cannot underestimate that. You cannot undervalue that. That's the heart of a hero. That's the ultimate influence. When my life finds favor with God, man, I make God smile. He finds joy in my life and my relationship with him. And I get to be a hero to others. I get to point them toward him. Do not underestimate the power of of finding favor with God. And so the question we have to ask ourselves today is just this. How do I find favor with God? What are the steps that I take? What are the principles that we see in Noah's life that separated him from everyone else on the planet? This is significant. This is a big deal. I think when we think about Noah, all we think about is, is the ark, right? Noah builds this ark and all the animals get on it and him and his sons and their wives, they get on the boat and for 40 days and 40 nights it rains and then the water slowly, you know, it recedes from the earth and he comes to a resting point on Mount Ararat, which as they've done all the geology, it figures out after months and months of search and discovery, they found Noah's ark in Kentucky. It was right there the whole time. We didn't even know that. And so... <laughs> It's not a real, it's, it's, a, it's not the real ark, as you guys need to know. They just made it a few years ago, in case anyone was curious or wondering about that. But it's pretty cool. You can see it from the freeway. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's what we think of when we think about Noah. When, when you learn about Noah as a kid, that it's Noah and the ark, right? But I think the much more significant thing that we learn about the life of Noah is that he found favor with God. So how do I do that? Well, in Genesis 6 verse 9, it says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Boy, that's high praise. Noah was a righteous man. What that word means when you break that down is that Noah did what was right in the eyes of God. Noah's life made God smile. He found favor with God because he chose to do what was right. It does not imply that he was perfect by any means. No one is. But his character, his heart, his lifestyle, he lived in such a way that he did what was right in the eyes of God. And I think that the only way that you can do that is if you stay focused on God. And that's what we see about Noah. He was 100% laser focused on serving God and doing what was right. Think about Noah. Have you ever been in a position where you felt like everyone around you was choosing to do the wrong thing and you're going, oh, I'm going to do what's right, but it's really difficult because I feel like I'm the only one doing what's right. Well, Noah was the only one on the entire planet. Everyone else was doing wrong. Everyone else had rejected God in that way of living. Noah was quite literally the last man standing and he did not deviate from the path that God had called him to. He was focused in every single way on serving God and giving God everything that he had. That's what separated him. He was focused on serving God. And that's what was the foundational building block for him finding a life that found favor with God. And I wanna encourage you today that, man, in a world and in a culture that is fighting for every piece of you that they can get, where we're being distracted by all sorts of things around us, I want to encourage you today to to make sure that 
in your life, you're staying focused on God. I mean, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, listen, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things, all these other worries in life that we worry about, all these distractions, all those things will come to pass. They will be added to you. You'll figure them out. But it comes down to this. It's God first. You can't allow yourself to be distracted by anything else because, man, the moment that something else in your life takes that, that priority, where it's something else first, that's when everything begins to fall away. And again, that's a life that never fulfills. It's a life that always takes you farther than you ever wanted to go. But we fall into those traps, right? Because the devil is always on the prowl. He's seeking whom he can devour. And so I think he's out there trying to destroy us. We see that in scripture. Uh, But I also believe in the old phrase that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So if he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. Anything he can do to to make it so that your life is not focused first and foremost on serving God and finding favor with him. And I think we have to fight to keep God first, to make sure that no matter what's going on in life, it's always going to matter to me more what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. I I was on a road trip earlier this week. On Thursday, I was in my car almost all day. And I found some amazing theological insight listening to sports radio, of all things. This is real life. Um, It's true. Uh, On sports radio, of all things, uh, the guy I was listening to made this mention that um, in, in America today, the next generation is turning away from religion, turning away from believing in God in greater numbers than ever before. This was a sports radio show talking about this. And they said straight up, this is not even Christian radio, a pastor on TV, you know, this is not anything Christian at all. It's sports radio. The guy just observed when, when people don't have religion, when they don't have God to put their trust in, they start focusing on other things because we're all designed to worship something. And it, as he's unpacking this, I'm going, oh, this is good preaching. Who knew? Who knew? Um, we'll find out what happens, you know, in, with the bears this offseason later. Uh, let's listen to what he has to say right now. He said, it's, it's destroying our culture because instead of worshiping God, we're finding all these other things to worship. We have all these influencers on social media that people are starting to worship in the next generation. We have this pursuit of just pleasure and sexuality and anything else that we can put in, in, in place in our lives in, instead of God, anything that we're chasing after, whether it's that pursuit of power or, or, or fame or fortune, Whenever that's what our life is about, instead of serving God, everything gets out of alignment. And it it doesn't work. And it has devastating results. (laughs) And the sports commentator is saying, man, when we're putting all of our trust in these social media influencers, that's not good for anybody. And then he kind of made his point and went on. And I'm going, well, that's good preaching right there. And, And that's exactly what happened in Noah's day. Everyone was out for themselves. They were serving their their own selfishness and their own pride. They were trying to live life on their own terms and it broke God's heart. And he was done with it. He's like, man, these people that I have created, this is not turning out as I had hoped. But Noah, in the face of of a culture where everyone was living for themselves, Noah was surrendered to God. He found favor with him, and that that changed everything. He made it the goal of his life that if he was going to impress anyone, He was going to impress God. And I think at the heart of it, that's what we have to be mindful of. If it's going to be God first, 
I gotta keep in mind in, in my life, what am I focused on? Who am I trying to impress? Because if I'm trying to impress anybody else but God, it's never gonna work out. We've all been there, right? Like you've all tried to impress somebody, you know, impress that guy, impress that girl, impress those friends, and it all ended up kind of weird, right? You know what I'm talking? Everybody, no, just me, just me. I remember when I was 16, uh, I wrecked my first car, which was a vintage 1984 Nissan Sentra hatchback. Everybody wants one of those. And after I wrecked that car, I got a 1986 Honda Civic, serious upgrade. And uh, everybody in, in those days and age had like the 1990s version of the Civic, which is kind of tricked out. Anybody remember that? Like they'd lower them down a little bit. They had the chrome rims. It was just an era, and everybody was living life. Usually had a big like a box of subwoofers in the back of that thing, and it was going boom, 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 boom. Anybody? Just me? Nobody remembers that? Okay, just me. Uh, so I had the 1986 version of that with just really lame rims, and so I decided since I was broke, I didn't have any money, that I'd go to the store and get a can of chrome spray paint. And so like every three months, I'd take all the wheels off my Honda Civic, and I'd newspaper and tape the tires, and I'd spray the rims chrome, and I'm going, oh yeah, that looks good. That looks good. And it was impressive, like an impressive car with spray-painted chrome rims. Yeah? Nobody's buying it? No, it was awesome. And so I remember pulling in uh, to youth group one night. A church uh, function was happening, and I pulled in in my 1986 Honda Civic hatchback with the newly painted chrome rims, and I was feeling pretty good. I wanted to impress everybody. And when I pulled in the parking lot, all my friends and buddies and some of the adult leaders, they, they gathered around my car, and, and two of these guys that were pretty big guys, adult leaders in our youth group, they randomly just started uh, getting on the bumper of my car, the back bumper, and started jumping up and down. They had no respect for the 1986 Honda Civic hatchback. And I was like, guys, stop jumping on my car. And they're all laughing and having a good time, and everything was, was okay until the bumper fell off. The bumper fell off my car. Boom. They fall off on the ground. And honestly, it's probably one of the most infuriating moments of my life because I was proud of that car. I, was, I spent time spray painting the rims of that car to make it look good. That cost me $3 to get the spray paint. I was angry. <laughs> my 1986 Honda Civic was ruined forever. I was embarrassed. And those guys, they knew I was angry. They knew I was upset. They took the time to reassemble the bumper. It took them about three minutes because it was a really, really trashy car. And, uh, and everything was fine again. But you come in, you know, trying to impress, and your bumper falls off. That didn't go with the plate you planned it would. Uh, that did not satisfy. And the thing is, when you're living your life to impress everybody else around you or to impress anything else in your life that, that isn't God, when it's not God first, it's going to fall apart. When you're living your life in any other way where it's not God first, then whoever's looking up to you, whoever that person that looks to you and says, you're my hero, they're seeing that that's the priority in your life and that's where you're leading them. We, we have to be mindful of this idea that everybody is a hero to somebody. What kind of hero are you going to be? Let's talk about being a hero that, that makes a difference for eternity. Let's talk about being heroes who live lives that find favor with God because that is the best kind of hero that you could possibly be and, and you can be that hero, baby. So, <laughs> I feel like that joke's not working very well. So, Noah was focused on God. In Genesis 6, 9, here's how it continues. It says, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Well, that's because Noah figured out the, simpli the simplicity and the beauty 
of the reality that God just desires relationship with us. And when we talk about being a follower of Christ, when we talk about being a Christian, know this, Christianity is not set up to be just a, a religion that's based on rules. That's, that's not it at all. Christianity is, is built to be, um, built on this foundation of having a relationship with Jesus. And you choose to, to live a certain way because you realize God loves me with an extravagant love and I show my love for him by being obedient to who it is that he's called me to be. And Noah figured this out. Noah had fellowship with God. And I think in its simplest form, what we see in Noah's life is that fellowship with God came down to two things. He, he trusted in God's provision for his life and he just simply obeyed God's commands. It, it really does come down to, God, I trust you. God, I will obey you. And I think that the reason that Noah is, is so heroic in this, even though it's, it's simple and it's beautiful and it's sacred, I think the reason that, that Noah is set apart in this and what makes him heroic is that everyone on planet earth had denied God with their lifestyle. They were living life on their own terms, serving themselves. Noah says, no, I'm focused on God. I'm going to serve him. And with everybody watching him, with everybody mocking him, Noah trusts in God's provision and obeys his commands, even when it seemed completely crazy. Even when God says to Noah in a world that had completely rejected him, Noah, in the middle of this you know, barren land, in the middle of a desert with no water around, I want you to build a boat. And this boat's gonna take you about 100 years. It's gonna be your life work. So it's not just you know, a week, or a month, or even a year. It, it's, it's 100 years of people mocking you, uh, making fun of you. You're gonna be the butt of all the jokes. You're gonna be famous for all the wrong reasons. And Noah, finding favor with God, said, God, I will trust in your provision. I will obey your commands. And I want you to know today that, man, being this hero that finds favor with God, you're gonna be tested. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone from time to time, and you're gonna to have to do the same two things. You're gonna to have to trust that God provides, and you're gonna to have to be willing to obey his commands. That, that's part of what it means to, to grow in your relationship with God. That's how we become who God is calling us to be. And I wanna contend with you today, ugh, this is important. If you're willing, when God speaks to you, to answer his challenge to you and just to say, yes, God, I, I trust in your provision. This is scary but I'm going to obey you. Oh, you guys, everyone who looks up to you, they're gonna see that. And that's the kind of hero you're gonna be, the kind of hero that points them toward Jesus, that finds favor with God. Man, it's simple, but it is beautiful and it is sacred. Trusting in God's provision, obeying when he speaks, that's how you become who God created you to be. And that's how you lead others toward him. You can be that hero that points people to Jesus, that helps them find favor with God. You stay focused on God, you have fellowship with God by trusting his provision and obeying when he speaks. So here's where the story gets interesting. It says, Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. 
Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. This is a huge task. <laughs> Who signs up for this, right? When the next time God asks you to take a step out of your comfort zone and to be obedient, and it's like this step of like, oh God, that's scary. Just remember, Noah asked, was asked by God to do this, all right? Like build a boat, uh, take 100 years to do this, and, and save planet Earth, all right? You can do what God's calling you to do. I promise you this. You can do it. And here's how Noah responds. Verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. I mean, that's the kind of obedience that Noah had. He was so committed to finding favor with God that when God speaks, gives him this huge plan, Noah says, hey, I'm all in. Let's go. Let's do this. He followed God's commands. And this is significant because when nobody else was doing right, nobody, Noah was able to be a part of God's story of salvation. He... He's the one who allowed the story to keep on going. And I want to encourage you today that whatever comfortable space you find yourself in, when, when God calls you out of that comfort zone and, and asks you to come to this place where you're trusting in his provision because it's uncomfortable and he's asking you to be obedient, I want you to know that the same rules apply to you, that even when nobody else was doing what was right, Noah was able to be a part of God's story of salvation. And we think about that in this huge narrative of the Bible. He was able to be part of God's story of salvation for all of mankind. But don't underestimate and don't undervalue the life that is committed to finding favor with God. Because I'm going to say this again. Everybody is a hero to somebody. We've got to decide what kind of a hero that we're going to be. Because when you are committed to following God's commands, when you're committed to doing what is right. You are also going to find yourself as part of God's story of salvation. How amazing is that? We get to be a part of people's stories that, that help them connect with Jesus, that help them become the people that God created them to be. We get to have those influential moments and be part of those sacred and sweet moments where people encounter Jesus and their lives are changed forever. Don't underestimate, don't undervalue the power of a life that is focused on finding favor with God. You are a hero to somebody. What kind of a hero are you going to be? I challenge you today, make sure you're keeping God first. And don't let anybody take his place at the top. Make him the highest priority. If you do that one thing, everything in your life, it's going to filter down. It's going to change. You filter every choice that you make in life, everything that's happening through God first. And don't let anything come in your life between that top priority of, of God first. Seek him first and all these other things are going to fall into place. They're going to be added to you. Be committed to fellowship with God 
every single day. Make sure you're spending time in his word, talking with him in prayer. Make that relationship priority one. You're focused on him. It's God first. And then when all of that's in place, when he speaks, man, follow him. Follow him closely and do what he says. You guys, that's the life that finds favor with God. Man, it's simple. It's beautiful. It's sacred. Everybody's a hero to somebody. What kind of hero will you be? Can we just close with this question? Are you seeking God's favor on your life? Can we just, can we be honest and talk about that for a minute? I'm convinced that the devil's trying to distract us, to destroy us, to do everything he can to to knock God off the highest priority in our life. And I think that moments like these help us to just kind of refocus, kind of renew our, our priority list and stay focused on who God is and who he's calling us to be. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about who we're trying to impress, who it is that we're trying to find favor in their eyes, I hope that we can all leave here today in agreement. Man, I want my life to bring joy to Jesus. I want my life to make his face smile. I want my life to find favor with God. And my prayer today is that we can leave today walking in the blessing and favor of God. That our lives would be lived in such a way that that our lives are pointing people toward Jesus and that the influence that we have is pointing people in that same direction. Everybody's a hero to somebody. What kind of a hero are you gonna be? Listen, I don't want to assume today that you've already encountered Jesus. We never make that assumption here at Crossroads. I want to end our time together every time by giving someone a chance to say yes to Jesus because Jesus changes everything. He loves you with an extravagant love. And so I want to start here as we close. If you need to just say yes to Jesus, if you need to ask him to forgive you, if you need him to set you free, Would you join us in this prayer right now and let this be a moment that changes everything? It says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the reason you'll be saved is because God loves you with an extravagant love. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you need to just receive that today for the first time, would you pray this prayer with all of us together? Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And listen, if you have said yes to Jesus, there's two things I want to talk to you about today. Number one, if you just said yes today, please, before you leave, come forward. I think I got Stu right here and Michelle over here. Come up and let us know so we can celebrate what God has done in your life. We can help you take next steps. But I also want to say this. You guys, next Sunday is Super Sunday. And it's not super because of the Super Bowl. It's not. I, are we allowed to say Super Bowl? I don't think I, the, the big game. The big game is next week. That's not what makes it super. It's going to be Super Sunday because we're baptizing people. We are celebrating changed lives. And there's all kinds of people who are celebrating changed lives with us next week at, at all of our campuses. It's an amazing thing. And I want to encourage you today. Man, it's not really an option for us. It tells us in the Bible, Jesus himself says, hey, if you've said yes, be baptized. That's that's me identifying I am following Jesus. I have chosen to give my life to him. I want to encourage you, don't put this off. Don't wait for some special time or I feel like this is my time. No, now's the time. If you've said yes to Jesus, you haven't taken yet this next step of baptism, come talk to us. Talk to Michelle, talk to Stu. Let's get you signed up. Let's celebrate what God has done in your life because we want to do everything we can, every step that we can take 
to help all of us live our lives in such a way that we're, we're finding favor with God. Crossroads, I want all of us to maximize the influence that we have to live our lives in such a way that not only do we find favor with God, but we're pointing all the people in our lives we have influence of over who look up to us, that we're pointing them toward Jesus. Don't forget today, you are part of God's salvation story. You have a mission to connect others with Jesus. Lead and lead well. Lead by finding favor with God. Can we stand together? Can we prepare to close out our, our time together by just praying together and just worshiping one last time with this mindset that, God, whatever you're asking me to, I'm available, I'm here. And I just ask that you would take time between you and God just to pray. Talk with him as we come to a close today and, and make sure that you're focused on him, that you're focused on your life finding favor with God. Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are, for the incredible love that you have for us. We're, we're so thankful that we are part of this story <laughs> that you have orchestrated and not only, God, are we part of this story, not only are we in this story, but we play a critical role. God, you invite us to be a part of these beautiful and sacred moments where others are able to connect with you. And God, if we're going to live into this story, if we're going to be a part of this story that you created us for and to be a part of, it only happens, God, if we're putting you first. If we're focused on you, if we're living in fellowship with you, God, if we're choosing to follow you wherever you lead us. And God, I'm just asking you today that that would be the cry of our hearts that we would just take this moment to, to draw close to you so that you can draw close to us and lead us where you want us to go. God, I'm asking that our lives today would find favor with you. And so as we prepare to leave and sing this song together, I just pray this prayer of blessing over us today. God, would you bless us and keep us? Would your face shine upon us and be gracious to us? Would you turn your face toward us and give us your peace? We love you and we praise you and we pray this in your name. Amen.